We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 87. Our guest today is the founder and president of Conaway and Associates Equine Insurance. They insure horses and horse farms throughout the U.S., Canada, and also in Europe. When our guest isn't working at the firm, you know, to build strong reputation as a reliable partner in competition and in business, she is riding and competing herself. So let's hear it from someone who is extremely immersed in the equestrian industry, Laura Conaway. Would love to talk to you about your part in the equestrian industry because I think there's a lot of different facets to what you do as a as a rider as well as with your um, professional career. So, how did you first get into riding and into the equestrian world? That has a lot to do with my family and my sister. My sister was very horse crazy, and I'm a little bit younger than she is, so she paved the way mm-hmm. of us wanting to have horses. And my mother, of course, is from Denmark and she grew up riding and I'm actually the fourth generation rider in that, on that side of the family. As we, as my sister started really wanting to start riding, my mother just always wanted to ride again too. So we rode as a threesome, my mother, my sister, and I, we, we'd all run out and do our own horses and had our own goals and trained our horses and did it as the three of us. Very cool. When I started learning to ride, we would spend some summers over in Denmark with my grandparents. Oh, and nice. I actually got to um, start riding over in Denmark. Very cool. So as you were growing up and riding with your family, were you thinking that like how you could put this in uh, and have horses be part of the rest of your life? Or what were you thinking as you were starting to get older and try to figure out what you wanted to do professionally? I think as almost all of us are, we just know that we always want to ride. Mm -hmm. We always, we can't imagine not being able to be around a horse. I knew that based on my personality, that I would not really bear being a professional rider because I get so attached to the horses. If I were showing a horse and an owner wasn't happy and they moved the horse, I knew that was not something that I would want to be a part of. So I knew that I always wanted to own my own horses. And in doing so, I knew that I needed a career that would allow me to own horses and to work maybe on the outside of the industry and not smack in the middle of the of being a professional rider or something like that. Was there ever a time then that you took a break from riding or did you continue to ride throughout your young adulthood as well? I always rode. I I wasn't always able to show because mm-hmm. I was going through school and things like that, but I always rode. I'd have a young horse that I was trying to train or mm-hmm. it's you know just at some level it may not have been any even a horse that was capable of showing yet, but I always rode. Gotcha. Also, I know you breed all of your own horses and oh my gosh, there is so much work and knowledge that goes into that. 
And do you do it on site? Do you do it yourself? Yes, yes. The horses get bred here. We, I'm deathly afraid of foaling a horse out. So mm-hmm. I have a wonderful friend that um, the mares, usually they're embryo transfers. So the mares usually go to one of my friend's farm and they are experts at pulling them out and they stay with them 24 hours a day. So I feel really good about that. But once the foal is a few days old, it comes back to our farm and we do all of the first training, all of the, like I back them usually Mm -hmm. when they're two and just go right from there. How did that start? When did that start when you uh, first started breeding your own horses? I always had the um, ambition to show at a really high level, and it always seemed like I could never acquire the horses that could be at that level. I could train them to the top of their capabilities, but their capabilities were limited. Mm -hmm. So when I was able to buy a horse that I could select myself, my mother and my sister and I went to Europe, and we looked for a young mare, three or under because I felt like I could maybe afford a nicer horse. And we brought, we found one that we loved and we brought her over. I bought her and brought her back and I trained her up to the Grand Prix level. And then she also had some embryo foals from embryos mm. and that started my program. Wow. That's amazing. And how many babies do you have, or did you have throughout this process? I sold one who was a hunter and I had a difficult time doing the hunters. So he went to a really lovely lady that shows them in the, still shows them in the hunters. Mm -hmm. And I've kept all the other ones. Okay. Um, So I have two that jump in the Grand Prix right now. One that is hurt that should be jumping the Grand Prix. And then I am just now starting a four-year-old and we'll start a two-year-old this year. Wow. And how do you go about in the process of starting your horses? I follow the Clinton Anderson method and start them with groundwork. And I basically follow it step by step the way he does it, because I found that's very safe and that the horses are very comfortable when you get on them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't ever feel like it doesn't ever feel dangerous. It's just a very methodical program where if you follow every single step, you get the result that you want. Yeah. And this has got to take a good chunk of your time, this this side of you, but you also obviously have your own company, Conway Associates Equine Insurance. Tell me about how that came to be. What was your idea behind launching something like this? When I was growing up, whenever we would think to insure one of our horses, Mm -hmm. we never knew the person that we were insuring with. They might be someone that also did race horses, also did the other types of insurance. And when I was coming out of college, I thought that it would just be really nice to have somebody that you could see at a horse show that you could discuss hard questions with, easy questions with, that they that you know that you'd be able to reach them, that they would understand the way that you took care of your horses and all of that, and would just be um, someone that was accountable to you. Hmm. And so I sought out to become an agent when I finished college and worked as an agent for a little while. And then I wasn't necessarily 100% satisfied with how 
the customers that I developed were treated by the bigger agency. And so I set out to open my own agency so that I would have more control over the whole process. Amazing. So how did you, obviously there was the idea behind having a little bit more of a connection with your customers, especially in a space that I feel like that that was not very common to have that type of relationship in that way with your equine insurance agent. So how did you go about making that happen and changing that mold in the industry? Just by making sure that I have a relationship with an individual and they Mm -hmm. may or may not insure a horse with us. But I think the relationship is very important, whether it develops into a, a business relationship or just stays on a friend basis, my very closest friends I've met through insuring horses. Hmm. And I just think that it's very important to have somebody that you can talk to that is accountable and understands the entire industry and the types of horses that are insured and the values Hmm. and can understand if an increase in value is merited and knows how to, knows about show records and the difference between the types of shows that different horses go to and one win versus another win Mm -hmm. as far as justifying a value and then going through claims processes because I have a horse that's currently injured and we understand the emotional part of the claim part as well. Definitely. For someone listening who hasn't gone through the process of insuring a horse, what's the rundown you do with a new client who doesn't know much about the industry or is just getting into it or getting to a certain level where insuring a horse is necessary? What are some steps or of the process that you go through with those clients? And the most important thing is to find out the issues that the customer is most concerned about mm. and how much they want to When you're insuring a horse, you can decide to take some of the risk on yourself and Mm -hmm. choose to put some of the risk with the insurance company, or you can choose more options that put more of the risk with the insurance company and you have less risk. So it depends on what their goal is and how much premium they want to pay in order to meet their goal. They might decide that they want to insure the entire value of the horse and want to keep the horse insured to its market value which would mean increases in their val- in the horse's value as the showing progresses. Or they might decide that they want to keep a horse insured at maybe part of what they spent and have some of the risk that they keep themselves and then put more risk, put the other part mm-hmm. of the risk with the insurance carrier. So a lot of it is depending on what the customer what their goal is in insuring a horse. Got it. What would you say is your favorite part of Conway Associates? And then what would you say are some challenging aspects to being a part of the equine insurance industry? Our favorite part is when our customers are either so excited about a new horse that they're Mm -hmm. purchasing or they're calling to report of something fabulous that just happened with their horse. We watch a lot of competitions online in the office if they're live streaming so that we can be all excited and keeping up with who is in the ring and we'll print the um, order of go and we'll run to a certain desk when mm-hmm. one of our customers is on is on deck or something. Nice. That's always the most exciting. And when we can call them after they've competed and just congratulate them or I could be at a horse show and then I'm 
standing there watching them. And then sometimes you will know some of the challenges that they've been through. Like we have one customer not long ago that we've just been super excited because the horse is jumping the Grand Prix again. And I think a year and a half ago, the horse had a severe injury and we weren't sure if he was going to come back. So it just gives me goosebumps now when I see that he finished fifth in this class or that he entered in this class. And I can't wait to watch him because I know how hard they work. Yeah. You've been a part of their journey. Yes. And so we're so excited. And so those are the best parts. The more challenging parts are if maybe somebody decides they decide not to insure a new horse and maybe something happens to it. And then they, they're just, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't call Mm -hmm. you to insure it or get every follow through on the insurance. Yeah. Or if a claim can get denied and sometimes that happens and it's and that's challenging to work through and to process the reasoning why it was declined and helping people understand why it can't always work out the way we want it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think a lot of it you're probably constantly educating people because it's it's an area that a lot of people maybe don't know about and that's why they need your help. <laughs> Exactly. And one that is one of the biggest roles that we can play is answering questions mm-hmm. and helping people understand either the process of purchasing the policy, of the obligations you have when you have a horse insured, and walking somebody through a claim process. When we're answering questions and customers have questions, that's always a good thing. Definitely. So I think really having that relationship, like what you were saying that you've really founded Conway Associates on is what has turned just a bunch of clients into friends and people you follow and that you continue to have a relationship with them with multiple horses that they own and things like that. I think that kind of long run plan and mindset has been something that you can see like me for as an outsider, but then also that you've been able to experience the benefits of really having a true community within the equestrian industry. Exactly. We have customers that we insured their short stir pony and then they're yeah. young riders. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. And so we're like cheering them on at young riders and but it starts with the with that short stir pony. Our sponsor today is one of my favorite things about Wellington and that is the farm stand. After three seasons at WEF, Farmstand is excited to announce its newest location, their online store. Now you can browse their carefully curated wares and textiles from small, environmentally conscious businesses from the comfort of your home or lounge chair. You'll find everything from seeds to support your new gardening habit and plant-based bath products to handcrafted jewelry and limited run women's wear. Start exploring at farm-stand.com. Thank you so much, FarmStand. All right, let's get back to the episode. So tell me this, how do you have enough hours in the day to do everything that you do? (laughs) Oh my goodness. We're very efficient and I have a Mm -hmm. tremendous team. And we start early like everybody does. I don't know anybody in the horse industry that doesn't start early and you're on your first horse at 7, 7.30. And I generally do not ride more than more than four horses, generally three horses. Mm-hmm. Because for me, I'm doing it as the horse part as just my true love. Right. And I take my time. I groom the, my own horse. I 
mm-hmm. pick their feet. I check their legs. Yeah. I'm the one that washes them when I finish. And so it takes me a little time to, sure. to work my horses. And then I'm usually in the office by 1030 or 11 in the summertime and then work until five. Yeah. And then I'm a runner and a gym addict too. So I usually run in the evenings after work. Love it. Um, but then I also live on the farm, which makes it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Totally. I I heard a little bird told me that you have run the Boston Marathon twice now. I have. Yeah. Amazing. What have you found? Because I am a gym rat too, a hundred percent. I love being at the gym and I think it is so important for cross training um, to be a better and stronger rider. What have you found as some benefits of running and riding? I think the most interesting thing that I found running and like competitive running Mm -hmm. is that it makes you focus a lot more on your animal as fitness. And it also makes you realize that sometimes there's not any more they can give. If they're not fit enough, it mentally is distressing to them for you to ask too much. They can physically just say, this is it, girl. I can't do any more. Because in races, sometimes you're giving it everything you have in a road race. And you realize that if somebody were asking for you a little bit more, you'd be like, no, I can't do it. Mm. So it makes you realize that their fitness is very important. And also that you can make them downtrodden in their mentality if you go to the well, if they're not ready. Hmm. So I think that it's really important. What I found is that in running, I realized that I have to pay more attention to the horses and not put them in a position where they're over physically challenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. What would you say is an area of the industry that you are particularly passionate about that you feel like the rest of the equestrian community either doesn't know a lot about or doesn't talk a lot about? I am so passionate about the young horses and mm-hmm. riding a four-year-old can be so much fun. I was on my four-year-old this morning and luckily somebody videoed a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. And just to feel him learn to soften a little bit at the pole mm-hmm. or learn to move away from my leg a little bit, it's like you just have these huge strides that I just I could watch him trotting on a video for 15 times in a row. (laughs) So I'm not sure. Some people don't ever get to experience the first time a horse picks up the canner with a rider or the first time Mm -hmm. he realizes that when you put your left leg on, that he moves over. Yeah. Um, And that to me is a huge passion. And I feel like I ride better if I have a young horse to train because the older horses, they're not that they're jaded, but they, you take a lot for granted and you can be a lot pickier. And when you ask them to do something and they know what they're supposed to do, and maybe they're just are blowing you off a little bit Mm -hmm. and you get after them with a young horse, they don't ever do that. They're just so excited that you selected them to ride that day. And they don't ever think that it's any type of work, really. They just think it's the most awesome thing they've ever done. 
Totally. Yeah. Now that you've done this for a bit and have been starting these young horses, I'm sure it's a case by case scenario as far as when you put them in training and at what point do you move on to the next step? Where have you found or what do you look for in your young horses when you know it's ready to start going under saddle or start doing more jumping? What do you use to gauge those next steps and milestones? Like you said, every horse is different. Mm -hmm. And I think that one thing that is steadfast is that you can ruin, not ruin a horse, but you can not produce a horses either by going too fast or too slow. Right. If you go too slow with the horse, I think that you lose some of its will to want to please you at all odds. They get mm. bored and yeah. then they're not as excited to please you. So if you go too slow, it's a problem. And then if you go too fast, it's also a problem. So I think that it's, as the trainer, I do some journaling. And I think that by journaling, I work through in my head when they're ready for the next step. And sometimes the next step is the horses being so good that they need to be turned out again. Because you can't ask them physically for more because their body's not ready. And then mentally, they're so ready to do the next step that you really can't even, you can't keep doing what they're doing because they might get bored and you might have to go too slow, but you can't take the next step because they're not physically mature enough. And so the the right thing to do might be to turn them out for a few more, for a few months so that they can, that they're still excited to work when you bring them back, but you haven't ruined them physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. Once we get back up to showing and and competing again, do you have some upcoming goals or or things you're looking to do with your horses in the next year? Yeah, my two top horses are just fabulous. And Mm. I just want to jump a lot more double clean Grand Prix. Yeah. I feel comfortable jumping them in classes that are a meter 50 and under. And they both on any given day could jump a double clear and they're both pretty darn fast Hmm. and they just love their jobs. And I just can't wait to jump more classes because they're just a blast to ride. And they both just love to go in there. And our favorite time is when we're in the ring and just galloping. Yeah, absolutely. So with your top horses, those were obviously two that you have bred. Mm-hmm. And yeah. how, when you are going through the process of breeding these horses, and you have a pretty good track record considering you still own all of them, correct? I do. Yeah. 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 How do you go about selecting? Do you own the moms or how does that work with selecting how you go about with your breeding process? I actually rode the mothers of all my horses and they were Grand Prix horses. Awesome. The moms were. And so I, I like a bloody horse. Mm -hmm. And so I would seek out stallions that had a lot of French blood in them. Hmm. And then also some Holsteiner hoping to get a fresh scopy horse. Yeah. The Holsteiner more for the scope and the French more for the, the blood. Got it. And mine are good reactive horses with a lot of scope. And being a female, I think it's really important that the horse, I always say that I want to ride a lady's horse because I don't want to have to kick and pull and do anything Mm -hmm. like that. 
I want to just look and and think turn and the horse is going to look and think turn. And so with a bloody horse like that, you can do that a little bit easier Mm -hmm. where you're not having to motivate the horse or kick the horse or pull hard on a rein or anything. So that's what I've looked for in the stallions that I've chosen. Very cool. You alluded to uh, the idea of having a great team, which I'm sure you have at home at the barn, and then you must have also with Conway Associates. How, when you are showing and traveling, when you're not at your home uh, home farm with your home office, um, with all of that um, in one place, how do you go about being able to continue working? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> We've set the office up so I can remote in. And so wherever I am, I can remote in and just log into my desk computer and work just like I'm here. Nice. I can answer calls. I can work on the computer. I can do everything I need to do. And I have a little, a camper that is with the horse trailer that I can set up a complete mobile office. Great. So that really helps. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Do you find that it is challenging for you to focus on work when you're at a show or you're getting ready for a big class? How how are you able to balance that? I find that it is it's really relaxing for me to have just some busy type work, uh-huh. like working on just certain paperwork. And I think to me, that's very relaxing. And it just brings me back to not thinking about too much. If it's a night yeah, class, I might yeah. think, well, at four o'clock, I'm going to work for an hour and a half, and then I'm going to go and walk the course and get ready. But it really, it takes my mind off of things a little bit. To me, that's helpful. Totally. Um, and I like to be busy in the evening and I don't tend to watch a lot of TV. So mm-hmm. it's nice that I can just log in and work for an hour, feel caught up, feel like I'm not letting anybody down and sure. stay connected like that. Yeah. Amazing. Well, Laura, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Your life and your company are so interesting to me. And I think that I've learned a lot and I know that um, our listeners will learn a lot too. It's just a, a very cool part of the industry that isn't talked about all that much. So thank you for enlightening us today and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.